hi, welcome to Ask the Expert. Um, I'm, oops, I'm sorry, I'm adding more people here. Today we're speaking with uh, Dr. Emra Altendis. He is um, located at Boston College in Boston, and he received his BS degree from Ez University in Turkey. He completed a master's of science at the Middle East Technical University and also in Ankara, Turkey. And he then moved to Italy to work at Novartis Vaccines and to start his PhD at Bologna University in Italy. During his PhD, he developed a novel vaccine um, discovery tool, Protectome, and identified new immunogenic proteins for two important human pathogens. Then in 2011, he came over here to the US. He joined John uh, uh, Mechanelis uh, lab at Harvard Medical School for his first uh, postdoc. And he identified new virulence factors in Vibrio cholera. And, and then in 2014, he got a set, he began a second training in uh, Ronald Kahn's lab at Joslin to work on potential link between gut microbiome and diabetes, which is why he's here today to talk about that. Um, and in the Khan lab, he discovered the presence of bioactive viral hormones and characterized viral insulins for the first time. It's really fascinating. He started his, his laboratory at Boston College Bi Biology Department in 2018, and his independent research program established through the NIDDK K01 Award, congrats, that has focused on the characterization of uh, microbial insulin mimics and their potential role in type 1 diabetes. Two um, G. Harold and Lila Y. Mathers Foundation Research Grants and a JDRF grant awarded to him help fund the T1D and celiac disease gut microbiome projects in the laboratory. And he's also um, and always been passionate about the uh, equity in STEM education and has been one of the founding members of the department's DEI committee, um, actively collaborating with specific Boston College programs, McNair Scholars, Gateway Scholars, et cetera, to create a really nurturing environment and research opportunities for the first generation or underrepresented minority students in his laboratory. Welcome, um, Emra, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and I can't, uh, I'm really interested in your talk today. So dive right in. Yeah, so thank you so much for this introduction, Monica, and thanks to everyone who are joining online. So I also see some friends' names here, so it is great. So if this is okay with you, I would like to sh uh, share my screen so we go, we can go over the paper. And if you can, if you have any questions, you can just jump in, ask these questions, so we, we can have an interactive conversation related to this paper. Great. So first, acknowledgements and the authors of this paper. This was a highly collaborative work between different institutions. So I started this project in Dr. Khan's lab when I was a postdoc at Jocelyn Diabetes Center. And actually, actually this is based on previous studies that were published by Shiho Fujisaka and Siegfried Dussar, who is here. He's a group leader in Munich now. And also my friend and colleague, Marion Soto. So I will talk about the protocol, but the lab was already working on the effects of gut microbiome on host metabolism. And when I joined the lab, I wanted to use some different tools to uh, ask different questions, but still trying to understand this link between the gut microbes and the host functions. So we also collaborated with a group in Netherlands, uh, Professor Black was the person who was leading this group and they sent us some human samples. I will show it in figure eight. And Dr. Kulkarni helped with the beta cell, her, her, his group helped with the beta cells. So a highly collaborative work and Kiati Girdar in my lab led this study, especially the last experiments. And Chin Huang, again in my lab, completed several studies with also Marion Soto. 
So let's start with the first figure that is talking about the project. In the lab, uh, when I first arrived, she already uh, established this model. So we have one group of mice on chow diet and three different groups of mice on high fat diet. These are B6 mice. And we fed them with a high fat diet for, for 10 weeks, but we also started to use two different antibiotics, metronidazole or vancomycin. And metronidazole is an antibiotic that specifically targets anaerobic bacteria. And vancomycin is targeting gram-positive bacteria. So by using these different antibiotics, you are remodeling the gut microbiome in different ways. So what you are changing is their gut microbiome composition. All right. So as you see, at the end of this uh, 10 weeks of high-fat diet treatment plus the antibiotics in these two groups, there was a significant dif difference in their body weight between the chow diet and the high-fat diet groups, but there was no effect of the antibiotics on the high-fat diet groups' body weight. So body weight was not affected. So usually people work on the... Uh, the, they, they collect the fecal samples and work on the DNA to determine the microbiome, microbiome composition in these studies. Instead of working on the DNA, in this study, I collected the fecal samples and using a quantitative proteomics approach, I looked for the proteins in the host proteome in fecal samples and determined how microbiome alters the host's fecal or intestinal uh, proteome. So this is a PCA analysis. And as you see, this is the chow group and these are the high fat diet groups. One of the limitation of this approach is this is a 10 flex experiment because this is a quantitative proteomics experiment. You can just compare 10 different uh, samples in one experiment. So this was the limitation at this stage. But as you see, there is a significant effect of the high fat the diet on the proteome composition, which is expected. But there was also some effect of the vancomycin and metrodinosol treatment compared to the high fat diet. This, high, this uh, heat map shows the differences even better. Red is more abundant and blue is less abundant. Chow groups in the first three. Can you also see my mouse, Monica? Yes, I can. Screen. All right. So chow group is here, three high fat diet groups two vancomycin and two metrodinosol groups. So these are the, this is the first cluster of the proteins that are decreased by high-fat diet. And these are the proteins that are increased by the high-fat diet. But if you look carefully, you will realize some groups that are altered by high-fat diet, but with metrodinosol treatment, they will be normal, they are normalized. This is some of the proteins are here and some of the proteins are right here that are the levels are normalized by the metronidazole treatment. So this was a surprising result. They, we also looked for the functions that are affected and several functions were affected. I will not talk about this because our time is limited. Then we made these volcano plots that you see here, figures A, B, C compare high-fat diet to chow, high-fat diet to high-fat plus antibiotic one, metrodinosol or high-fat diet compared to the vancomycin. This is the log two-fold change and this is the p-value. And the ones that we are showing here are more than four-fold change 
and the statistically very significant. When we made this figure, we were, we were quite surprised that the top proteins that you see here, MLAs or elastase 3B or pancreatic lipase, these are all important exocrine function, uh, proteins. So these are the proteins that are related to digestive effects of the pancreas. These are the, uh, here you see the differences of each of these proteins, MLAs is significantly decreased by the high fat diet in all three groups. Elastase, which is important for the protein digestion, increased by high fat diet, but further increased by metrodinosol. And lipase, which is not affected by high fat diet, is altered by metrodinosol and vancomycin treatment. So the only difference between these two groups is the gut microbiome composition. So we were able to verify our proteomics results by, by using Western blood. So we were able to verify that our proteomics results are real, but we also collected the pancreas from these animals and using Western blood, we checked if we can also determine these alterations in the pancreas tissues. And as you see, there's a decrease with the high fat diet, especially with the metronidazole, but this is normalized with vancomycin treatment or elastase is increased by the vancomycin treatment or lipase is increased by high fat diet. But although these animals are still on high fat diet, it is decreased by the uh, different antibiotics treatments. So this was very surprising and unexpected. When we started this project, we didn't have a goal to work on the pancreas, but the results took us to do this exocrine function related interesting findings. So we started our experiment one more time, this 10 weeks of high fat diet treatment. And this time we collected the pancreas. As uh, any diabetes researcher uh, will comment or will know, the, in pan pancreas, is function, not only the pancreas function, but also the size is altered in obesity, in type one diabetes and type two diabetes. Although there are some speculations about the mechanisms, how this is affected by the, by obesity or diabetes, we still do not know the mechanism underlying this. Several groups previously showed in mouse models that when they are fed with high fat diet, they have a larger pancreas. So this is shown by several groups. But in this study, we show that by using antibiotics, we were able to normalize the pancreas weight to the child levels. So please remember the first slide that there was no difference between the body weights of these animals, but the pancreas size is normalized here at the end of 10 weeks of antibiotics treatment. Then we ask, do we, do we really need 10 weeks of antibiotic treatment or can we make these animals first obese and insulin resistant? And then what happens if we use the antibiotics in the last two weeks while they are still on high fat diet? As you see, there is no difference in the body weights of the antibiotics groups and the high fat diet group, but they are significantly heavier than compared to the child group. And with this just two weeks of antibiotic treatment, we were also able to normalize the 
we were also able to normalize the pancreas weight again. So then we ask another question. So let's put these animals on high fat diet for four weeks. Then we will add antibiotic treatment for three weeks. And then we will remove antibiotic, antibiotics and they will continue on the high fat diet. What is the effect on pancreas size? And when we remove the antibiotics from, the, from the, this experiment, the pancreas size was larger, indicating that this uh, challenge by antibiotics is needed to normalize the pancreas levels. So we did several experiments to determine if this is hyperplasia or hypertrophy. So if the cells are becoming larger or do we have more cells? And at this point, after 10 weeks of treatment of antibiotics, uh, the number of the total SNR cells, the cells that are the main 90% uh, of the pancreas, approximately 85 to 90% of the pancreas is made of these SNR cells. And there was no difference in the number of SNR cells for, the, for this area, indicating that the cells were not larger, but they proliferated in a previous time. We didn't observe uh, uh, an increased, increased fat in also in the, in the pancreas. Any questions? Or would you like me to continue? Anybody? This is Jack. This is, first of all, really interesting stuff. I'm somebody who's really interested in this idea of, of pancreas size changes accompanying diabetes. Um, but I know less about microbiome and antibiotics, but I'm curious that the antibiotics, you know, have other effects than just taking, changing the microbiome. And, you know, that's why we take antibiotics. We're, we're trying to, to, to do other things with them. So how are you, um, and maybe it's further along in the paper, but, 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 but how are you verifying that these effects are mediated through the microbiome and it's not some other immunological sort of phenomena that's affecting pancreas size? Yeah, I think this is a great scientific question that we needed to address because some of the antibiotics might be met, met, metabolized, although we think that these are not, but still they might have some independent effects on the host. So to address your question, Jack, we started this experiment, which is right here. So in this experiment, the mice were on high fat diet for six weeks in total. In the last two weeks, we treated them with antibiotics. So I showed you the results of, uh, but of course we are repeating with another cohort. At the end of this experiment, we collected the cecum samples from these animals. Okay, and we transferred the cecum of these animals to germ-free mice that had never seen, uh, that had, have never uh, been exposed to antibiotics. So these are, so we transferred the chow mice, uh, chow mouse uh, cecum to chow germ-free mice, high-fat diet to the high-fat diet treated germ-free mice. And then we tried to see if we are able to transfer the phenotype. We, wait, we waited for two more weeks and then we sacked the animals. And the first thing was to check the pancreas weight. So in this case, the, the, the alterations in the pancreas weight was quite significant in all groups. As you see, the microbiome coming from the metrodinosaur and vancomycin mice was able to 
was able to normalize the pancreas level to the chow fat diet mice levels. And this was not the case for the high fat diet mice. I think that uh, this is the experiment that addresses your question. These animals have never been exposed to any antibiotics. They are just taking the samples from the cecum. Cecum is very rich with different uh, bacteria. And after two weeks, they had this effect indicating that this is the direct this is directly mediated by the gut microbes i gotcha i guess i gave you the perfect segue there but um one other question these mites were never fed a high fat diet they only just they just had the cecum transfer that's it no gotcha. so yeah no these animals these three animals that you see with the pinkish color are all high on high fat diet before the cecum transfer and this chow animal was on chow diet for before the experiment. So they were already exposed to high fat diet, but they didn't have any gut microbes. And we transferred the gut microbiome from Metro to this animal, Vanco to these animals, and high fat diet to these animals. So yes, they were on high fat diet to, for, for four weeks before the experiment. I see, Does what about animals that are on a high fat diet, but that are, are germ free? Okay, we didn't add one control that was just germ-free to this experiment. I think that it might be a very good control, but we don't have this one in this experiment. But very good question. So then the next question was, okay, we see these differences on the size of the microbiome, but is there any effect on the exocrine function? So we collected the pancreas of these animals extracted the proteins and ran rest, Western blood. The sample size is three, so, but I think the trends of the chains are obvious. Like there is a trend of increase on the amylase in the vancomycin group. And there's a, so I can maybe use the quantifications here. So there's a trend of increase with the amylase group, vancomycin group in the amylase. The no change in the lipase, but there is a significant increase on the high fat diet as expected for the high fat diet group. And there's a trend of further increase with the vancomycin, vancomycin microbiome. Hi, Amrad. Amrad, can I, can I interrupt one question for one question? Please. I, I think it's great that you see an effect from the fecal transplant, obviously. So the question I have here is that, is it really a microbiome that you are transplanting or is it a byproduct? Of the microbiome you're transplanting. So uh, I'm, I'm asking you this question because there's a lot of publication, quite a number of years now, that's showing that the byproduct of the bugs, i.e. they are producing uh, quite a number of short free fatty acids, which are highly very beneficial that potentially give you the same result here. At the same time, is... Uh, so anyway, so at the same time, uh, one other thing that I would like to add on is more like a comment is that the antibiotics are known to also stimulating the GOP-1. And the yes. GOP-1 may also lead to these beneficial effects as well. So the, 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 the thing I'm not really clear here is that either the free fatty acids stimulate GOP-1 and GOP-1 that have these effects or the free fatty acid I mean, all the uh, microbiome itself have the direct effects. Yeah, 
So another excellent question. So to one of the limitations of this study is that we didn't identify a direct causal uh, bacterial species or strain or metabolite that is causing these alterations in pancreas. So, but previously, uh, Shiho Fujisaka and Dr. Khan, my, my, my former mentor, Dr. Khan, and who is also a corresponding author in this study, they published a paper showing that by changing gut microbiome, you totally change the plasma metabolome and also fecal metabolome as well. So antibiotics and the gut microbiome and this crosstalk between host and the microbiome is altering all the plasma metabolome. So, but we do not know which metabolites might be related to these functions. But related to your point on GLP-1, the next experiment was, uh, I will show you in a minute. So here we show the effects on the exocrine function and pancreas size and also host fecal proteome. So the next question was, what about the endocrine functions? How does gut microbiome affect the endocrine functions? And as you said, uh, some people already show that GRP1 is altered by gut microbiome. So it is already reported. But in our study, uh, in this figure, you see the, the results from the donor mice on the left panel, and the germ-free mice is always on the right panel, recipient animals. So, for instance, for GLP-1, high-fat diet caused a decrease in the circulating GLP-1 levels, mm -hmm. and this was the same for metrodinosol, but vancomycin tended to increase, but this didn't reach statistical significance, but again, this is related to, it might be related to the sample size. But when we transferred the microbiome of these animals, the cecum of these animals to the germ-free mice, and after two weeks determining, measuring the GLP-1 levels, this degree, this decrease was significant for high-fat diet, and then with vancomycin, uh, treatment, sorry, not vancomycin treatment, the gut, the, the gut microbiome tr transfer from vancomycin-treated mice increased the GLP-1 level significantly and normalized it. So this was a significant effect on this incretin. Uh, as some of the, I, I think as all of you know, GIP is another incretin that is very important for insulin sensitivity. And there was a trend of increase here with high-fat diet and a decrease with metro and vanco, but this was not significant. But in the germ-free mice, these differences were quite significant, and the gut microbiome was directly affected GI circulating GIP levels. CCK is an important hormone for exocrine function of pancreas for producing these digestive enzymes. And there was a significant decrease with vancomycin treatment. And this might be one of the reasons why they had smaller pancreas because CCK stimulates proliferation of the SNR cells. PYY is another important uh, endocrine hormone. And we, we identified these trends of decrease and increase, but all of these became significant in the germ-free mice indicating that the gut microbes are not only affecting the pancreas size, not only pancreas exocrine functions, but also the endocrine functions of these animals. Is this- Thank you, thank you, that's very cool. Uh, okay. so, yeah, please. So, go on, I'm sorry. 
No, no, uh, yeah, please, uh, any questions are welcome. So in the next slide, in the next figure, we will, we will talk about the effects on the metabolism. Because, okay, these are the effects on the endocrine function, so what else? So previously, again, Shiho Fujisaka, Marion Soto, and Sigrid Usar in Conlab uh, used this model to check the effects on the metabolism. But in this study, and one of the reviewers asked, okay, you are seeing these differences, but what about the child-fed mice? We previously, we never uh, used child fat control with vancomycin and metrodinazole, so they wanted us to complete these experiments for this paper. So this is a GTT experiment, glucose tolerance test. We injected glucose, I, uh, we interperitoneally injected glucose to, to these animals, and this is what you expect, the blood glucose levels increase. And then in insulin sensitive animals, they go down. If the animal is insulin resistant, it goes down very slowly. As, uh, in the vancomycin and metrodinosaur treatment mice, they were more glucose tolerant. So you see a trend of uh, decrease in the area under curve. And at the very beginning also, their blood glucose levels were much lower than the high fat diet animal. But we were very surprised to get this result because these are animals that are on child diet, they're already insulin sensitive, but by treating them with vancomycin or metrodinosaur, first their blood glucose levels on the basal conditions were, especially in the vancomycin group, was lower. But with the glucose tolerance test, this is the effect on the animals that are on the child, but the vancomycin group was so glucose tolerant that the the tissues just took the sorry just took the glucose so this was a very surprising effect it didn't increase it just went down and this is a specific effect of the vancomycin so quick question on that please so on the child uh, data so obviously vancomycin definitely inducing insulin sensitivity um so you know, do you check, is it associated with the insulin itself or, um, or, or its effects in the glucose absorbed into the liver? So yeah, is it, is it affecting insulin tolerance or not? So to address your question, Jean-Luc, we completed the insulin tolerance tests in these animals to determine if they are more insulin sensitive or not. Because you asked this child question, I will directly go oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> no 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 so i will just show the itt results for mm. this so this is an insulin tolerance test in these experiments we inject animals with insulin and in insulin sensitive animals the blood glucose levels go down and then they start to, to come back normalize because insulin just uh, affects right. uh, i'm I, if there's any reader who any not reader any one watching who doesn't know the insulin function because insulin stimulates glucose uptake to the tissues. As you see in these animals, again, the, in the vancomycin group, the blood glucose levels were lower. But in addition to this, in the vancomycin group, we were quite concerned that the animals were just about to become hypoglycemic. They were so insulin sensitive. And this, this was a surprise for us because we were not expecting to see an effect on the child uh, with the, in the child animals to become even more insulin sensitive. 
Oh, that's and, incredible. That's an incredible data. So, so how many weeks do you treat on the animal again? So in these animals, so that's, yeah. these animals are the animals that are treated with uh, antibiotics just for two weeks. This two is weeks. the result coming from two weeks of antibiotics treatment. No, no body weight change on this guy, right? Or food consumption change, right? No, no, they, they didn't have a change in their body weights. Neither these animals uh-huh. nor these animals, the high fat diet animals. But the result in the high fat diet animals uh, were also interesting. Uh, there was a, this is a, again, ITT experiment, insulin tolerance test, and the vancomycin group, the green and the blue is the metrodinosaur group. They were also significantly more insulin tolerant than the mm. high fat diet mice. So again, by altering gut microbiome, you can make these animals more insulin sensitive. This is, this was already shown in the previous papers by my colleagues and I am also co-author, co-authoring some of them, but this was very surprising. Yeah, it is indeed. So, so the insulin sensitivity here is that based on what you've done, or maybe uh, you will show to the next slide, is that is it due to the guts in Cretan or due to the microbiome directly? I think that it is uh, it is quite complex. We don't okay. we there are several factors. The, in a previous paper, we showed that there are several metabolites that are strongly associated with insulin sensitivity, but we do not know uh, exactly which of these metabolites are responsible for this. But it looks like it is very complex. The increase in the GLP one levels or the effects on the PYY GIP might be related with this insulin sensitivity. And the previous research also showed that the gut, by changing gut microbiome composition, you are also changing inflammation in different tissues. And mm. by decreasing inflammation, you make tissues more insulin sensitive. That's true. So, so you've seen quite a substantial uh, increase, in increase, but this animal do not have an impact on the food consumption. No, no. Right. So, so, what do you think that is? Why, why, you know, GOP one and in general, or the incretin have a way a role in have a great, quite strong data supporting as effects in, in food intake as well as improving, uh, engaging GI tract transit. That, but in in your study, you see that level, but it doesn't have any impact on food consumption and body weight. What, what do you think is going on here? So I, we didn't check food consumption. Uh, we checked the body weight change. Body weight, body weight change was not changing, but we didn't specifically look for the food intake. Okay, I got you. Do you plan, seeing the animal have a very robust in, in, in you know, insulin, I mean, glucose oxidation, do you plan to look at energy metabolism? You know, are these animals more active? Uh, I.e., you know, they oxidize all the the nutrient that they are consuming compared to control. Uh, we we are planning several follow up studies. Yeah, okay. and this might okay. be also this might be one of the good suggestions for this. So, uh, to continue, and I will. Imran, Im- sorry. Secret, please. Hi. Nice yeah. to see you. <laughs> Great to see you. Yes. I would Great just have a, a quick question to this insulin sensitivity thing is because to to what extent is it driven by differences in basal glucose levels you know so if you would look at the area 
above the curve where you have baseline normalization, would you actually still see a decrease? So the question is if we normalize this to 100% and... Yeah. So there was still a decrease, but it was not as significant as this one. Okay. The reason why we wanted to show this figure was secret to be able to show this difference in the basal conditions, which was quite significant. And the, these animals had really very low blood glucose levels. No, exactly. That, that, because that's a little bit the, the, the question that I wanted to get to, to what extent it's really the glucose disposal or, you know, gluconeogenesis plus intestinal glucose absorption and also i don't know if you have any thoughts on this one but <laughs> uh, so is it really the disposal into the skeletal muscle or is it you know the liver plus the absorption from the intestine that drives this yeah but he I, did he didn't do oral glucose here right so he did it so is, so the glucose yeah so the glucose getting to the stomach right yeah so so, this so is the, right right so i, I you know the the really the the data is very encouraging. So the, the box check for the future, if I am in your shoe here, is that I'm going to run the insulinemic hyperglycemic clamp to really like nail this down to, you know, uh, to really establish a bona fide insulin sensitivity as well as, you know, capturing your tissues. Uh, glucose I mean, that, that, well. that's great. I would just uh, be curious to hear great. Imrat's answer. Yes, yes, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm just, I think it is. I am. This is a this is a great question. So also, is it muscle, brain, and other tissue? We don't know which one. So to to we so I don't know the answer of this question. To address this, we can do an in vivo glucose uptake experiment, which is quite challenging, or a clamp experiment. I believe that these so previous studies, you know, Siegfried, you were also involved, show that the, all the tissues, including uh, brain becomes very insulin sensitive in these animals. So I believe that the glucose, this is glucose uptake by different tissues and muscle might be the first one because usually it consumes most, but I don't know the answer of this question, but this might be addressed in a follow-up study. Great, thanks. This, this has turned into quite a, a, a brainstorming for future experiments, it's yes, great. Which is great, yeah, which is always great to have good colleagues asking these questions. So the reviewers also ask this question, okay, what about the effects on the exocrine function when we feed these animals, the chow-fed mice animals with mancomycin or metrodinos also, you, uh, we show the effects on the endocrine function on germ-free mice animals. We show, sorry, we show the metabolic effects. So the with vancomycin treatment, we made these animals, child-fed animals, more insulin sensitive and more glucose tolerant. And they ask, what about the exocrine function? So we ran this Western blast again to determine the abundance of different exocrine uh, enzymes. And we showed that there was no difference in any of the chow animals, metro or vanco groups indicating that the gut microbiome composition change in these animals is affecting insulin sensitivity, but it doesn't affect the amylase, lipase, and elastase levels. I'm talking about the child-fed animals, but there was always a significant effect on elastase, child-to-high-fat diet, or this is one of the markers of the pancreas function, and it is also decreased by high-fat diet as expected. 
So the last figure of this study was related to human data because, okay, we did all these experiments, but is it relevant to human insulin resistance or human patients? To address this, we collaborated with uh, the Dutch group in Netherlands, and they previously published a paper in cell metabolism, looking, uh, investigating the effects of vancomycin on insulin resistant ob obese men. So these are all men. We had we don't have a female samples. Another limitation. And uh, what you see here is that these are the patients treated with placebo on the left of this Western blood on the left side. And these are the patients treated with vancomycin on the right side. And the, in each lane, the, in each two lane, the first one are the, is the sample collected before the experiment is started. And the second lane is after one week. So before the experiment, after one week. And on this side, this sample is collected before the, they started vancomycin treatment. And this, this one is coming from the samples after the treatment. All right, so we ran these Western bloods for each of these amylase, elastase, trypsin, and lipase for four exocrine uh, enzymes. And then we quantified these results based on uh, placebo before and after, or vancomycin before and after. Uh, we were very happy to see that there was a significant effect of the vancomycin treatment in human insulin-resistant obese men there was a two-fold increase in the amylase levels with just one week vancomycin treatment. This was also the case for elastase treatment, 50% increase with the vancomycin treat, uh, treatment. But, uh, and here you can see also the change per individual, but this was not the case for lipase or trypsin. So for these two enzymes, there was a significant effect of this this uh, vancomycin treatment in humans. So this was the final figure of the, of the study. We believe that this is one of the first studies uh, investigating the role of gut microbiome on pancreas function. And we show that it, it affects exocrine function. So this digestive enzymes, the pancreas size, but it also affects the endocrine function, the incretins as well. It makes these mice more insulin sensitive and glucose tolerant. And with the final figure, we were able to show that in insulin resistant obese patients, just changing gut microbiome, you can also change their exocrine function as well. So the, there are also some limitations of this study that we are aware of, but we will try to follow up, publish some follow-up studies in the future to address which specific metabolites or the species are responsible from insulin sensitivity or increased uh, GLP-1, GIP incretins, and some other, several, we have so many questions now. Yeah, this is really, really fantastic. It opens the door to so many different experiments. I hope you have a long list of postdocs and graduate students ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just wanted, you know, we went over a little bit. Is are there any further questions? And uh, for Emra, hey, thanks so much, Dr. Emra, um, and thank yeah. thank you for putting this together, Monica. Yeah. Um, are are there any specific um, gut bacteria strains that are suspected to be 
um, helpful um, in, in limiting uh, type 1 diabetes? Type 1 diabetes? So, okay, in type, so uh, gut microbiome co composition of the type 1 diabetes patients are significantly different from the control healthy individuals. And people used NOD mice, the main mouse model that we use in type 1 diabetes field to determine the role of some of the bacteria. And they show that, for instance, Acarmensia municipale, the most famous bacterium, I think, in the probiotics field, Acarmensia, was protective for NOD mice. Then, uh, then SFP, another, another. So they show two or three different protective ones. We have an ongoing study. We show that Parabacteria, this, 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 one is, this paper is now under revision in PNS. We show that one bacterium is increasing the type one diabetes rates. So new studies, we need more studies to determine the causal links, but the gut microbiome composition is totally different in type one diabetes patients. Also in type two diabetes patients compared to healthy controls. Yeah. But the diversity decreases dramatically at time of onset in human type one diabetes patients, correct? Yes. So the, uh, the diverse, they are less diverse and the, the gut dysbiosis happens. The gut becomes more leaky. Inflammation is increased. The regulatory cells are decreasing also in the intestines, but then the, in all microbiome studies, this question comes, is it chicken? or egg, which mm -hmm. one comes first? Yeah. Is it causal of the disease or the, does disease cause this? John Freeman's experiments are very helpful to address this question, these questions. Yeah, and um, the body of literature is expanding, right? So it's very interesting yes, to yes. a company like, company like Finch or Holobiome or something could be very um, instrumental in kind of you know using their muscle to yeah to further this field um, with collaborations with scientists. So right. yeah, it's right. really, really interesting times. Yes, so many interesting times and we need more causal studies. So yeah, because yeah, we have now enough, uh, we have more than enough associative studies. We show that there, there are these associations, but now we need to go deeper to identify, okay, what, for instance, for my study that I just talked about, okay, what is the bacterial species that makes us more insulin sensitive or what is the metabolite? So this is the follow-up study for this one, for, for the pancreas study. Okay, super, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Well, maybe you'll have some more conversations offline. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thank you all again. Um, we've gone a little bit past. Thank you, Emma, for uh, this really, uh, really interesting talk and, and for everyone's comments. It's totally appreciate it. And thanks again for participating in Ask the Expert and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much, Monica. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.